0: Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. With me today, I wasn't sure whether to be like really excited or just super relaxed. Because with me today, <laughs> with me today I've got Wendy Nash. She is uh, amazing at, um, well, so many things. She's got some uh, leadership skills woven through meditation to help us with today. And um, in our pre-interview conversation, um, I've become enchanted. Uh, Wendy, it is a pleasure to have you uh, on One Sharp Sword today.
1: Thank you. Now, I just don't know how to call you. Do I call you Wayne, Dr. Purnell, Dr. P? What would you like me to call you?
0: Okay, so the rule is Dr. Purnell was always my dad. So it's never that. Like, it's never that. People call me Dr. P. People call me Dr. Wayne. People call me Wayne. You can call me whatever you'd like. And this goes for our audience as well. Um, I prefer you be nice if you're going to call me whatever you like.
1: <laughs> Just, <laughs> but
0: you know what? It's all good. Everybody has well, their own. So all right. you can call okay. me Wayne, Dr. Wayne, Dr. P, whatever you like.
1: I'm an informal person and Wayne is one of those Australian names that is just a not, you know, like I know it from way back when. So I'm super comfortable Perfect. with Wayne, if that's good with you. And, so and obviously
0: you're you- from Australia by the yeah, accent. So here yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and I just want to say thank you for being straight and honest. Cause you know, so many, I, I, you're not the first person I've been in uh, on the show on a show with. And it's like, I'm really excited. And I think, mm-hmm. Wow, are you really excited with absolutely everybody? And it's just so enthusiastic. I I can't regulate. I can't understand where I sit in amongst of all that. So I think it's a cultural thing in the US to be excited about absolutely everything and everyone. For the rest of the world, it's a very confusing kind of statement.
0: <laughs> but I, my show. So here's here's the thing. I am when I'm excited. I am genuinely excited. I don't do a show where it's like, welcome to one sharp sword and you're going to be like, it's none of that. That's such crap. It's like, and and you're a big fan, like the name of your business is kindly cut the crap. So let's just cut the crap, right? It's like, if you're excited, be excited. If not, no worries. Like, and And because your background is so strong in meditation, I was making that introduction as I am excited and kind of chill. So here we are.
1: Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me on the show and thank you also for for, for you who is listening or you who is watching. I that's it's really nice to have you participate in this. Um because without you actually Wayne and I can't meet, we can't connect. And even you know, I I really think it's important to recognize Podcast. There is a whole land and culture of podcasting, as as I have alluded to just already, and the even if somebody is listening to a podcast, which is uh, somebody you philosophically dislike, or for whatever reason you you absolutely dislike, nonetheless the fact that they have listened to a show on a podcast means that they are still connected here because in this numbers-obsessed world of downloads and this and that, actually everybody is connected by the fact that we are here on a podcasting, not only in podcast land, but there's equipment, you've got a camera, I've got a camera, I've got microphones and headsets and there's computers and lights and all of us have so many things in common and, and humans have been coming together to tell stories about how to live well since humans have been here on the planet and how to how to speak and how to talk to each other and how to share information and connect in a really deep level and and in an instructive level and so you know curiosity about the worlds of others has been here since the beginning of time. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for being part of this really large, uh, I don't know, ecosystem, for lack of a better word. It's, a you know, everybody is part of this, no matter where we are. So I just want to say thank you for that. And I also want to say that I'm calling from Gabi Gabi Country, which is uh, in Queensland, outside Brisbane. So it's actually 9.15 in the morning for me. And... The thing there are a couple of things that I really re- respect hugely about the Aboriginal uh cultures that I've have understood. And I, I don't profess to be any expert, but I really appreciate this. One is that humans are not the center of the universe. We we are just one animal in part of a large connected system of the plants, the sky, the clouds, the fish, the other animals, the water, the oceans, the air, everything. We are part of this large, large, I guess again, ecosystem of the planet, the sphere. And there is something it's, the it's my understanding is it's about the way they relate to everyone and everything. And everyone is a person, whether that's a rock or whether it's there's a lot of respect for that, and it comes because they've been living in this country for over 70,000 years. And it sounds like 70,000 years, you sit there going, oh, yeah, well, 70,000 years. It's like, well, it's actually 35 times longer than Christianity. And I'm not negating anything about Christianity or any other religion, but, wow, 70,000 years is a really, really long time. And the reason they've been so successful is because um They pay attention to what works, what doesn't, and they're great storytellers and weaving of knowledge into all aspects of life. And there's something about looking at what worked then, which doesn't work perhaps now, to really think about, well, where does it go ahead, you know? So um really i think that's a good philosophy to to really try and engage with is you cannot go forward until you have understood where you have come from what baggage are you bringing you know you and i have just said we're part this isn't the first show that either of has done or been on and so we come with history and we come with stuff some of it we embrace and we enjoy some of it it's such a bloody pain in the ass. And some of it is, is yet to be discovered. So I think by really engaging with what is unknown about all aspects of what is good and bad, we can really say, well, here I am. I am on Gubby Gubby Country. And I've come with a, a history. And, and now I feel really grounded and and in place for where, thinking about, well, where do I want to go? What do I want to take with me? So I just like to, I know that takes a few minutes, but I, I i like to start my shows like that because I think it's really nice to begin in a place like bedded down in that frame.
0: I love that frame. I want to call out, and this is my style, Wendy, as we get to talking the further, um, you'll say something. I'll be writing as you're talking and I'll come back and call out a few key things. So even in your introduction um first of all you're in my future. Uh it is <laughs> it is it is a Tuesday afternoon for me and it is a Wednesday morning for you. So uh that's kind of cool. Uh you talked about you talked about the the historical significance of storytelling and how to live well and connectedness. And there were a couple of key things that are dear to me about that. One is uh, curiosity. I'm a huge fan of curiosity. My TED talk has been about that. I've had two TED talks. Actually, both of them have woven some of that through it. I just did a talk at Oxford. Some of that is in there as well around culture. That the the idea for me, and, and I don't know if you know Curious George, my spirit animal is Curious George. Uh, the the curious little monkey. My, the The idea is that curiosity, if you're living in this place of wonder, you have a higher tolerance for the gray areas, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, it's either this or it's that. It's like, it could be something you're missing. And if you live in that curiosity place, then you ask, well, what am I missing? You know, what more is there? And living in curiosity keeps you out of judgment. You know, when you're, I wonder, when you're in that space of wonder, um, you're not in a space of judging. And so I'm i am a huge fan of, uh, I'm referring to my notes here, how to live well, you, the idea of connectedness, how curiosity binds all that together. You talked about uh, kind of grounding in history, understanding where you are currently and moving toward the future. I call that the the kind of the GPS model where you have to know what your starting point is and you have to know where you're going and you have to take action in order to make the GPS work. And if you've got too much baggage, you not can actually <laughs> get yourself too far. So all of that and, and a high tolerance for the unknown, like that's adventure, that's exciting. So um, I just, even in your introduction, I wanted to call that out. I wanted to, to say, look, if that's, if if those are the takeaways, even from us just saying hello to each other, um, I think that's fabulous. Like, what more can you be curious about today? What more uh, gray area? Like, can you tolerate not knowing something and choose to explore it with uh, with love and and wonder? Right. So. Can
1: I expand on that? Because I, I came from, uh, actually, I lived in Oxford for a while. I was sitting there going, oh, I wonder when that was. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe I could have seen you give your, your talk. But I think I had already left there. I, I left. Probably.
0: It was just two weeks ago. So
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Definitely not. Um, so, actually, I have a friend who still lives. In, I have some friends in Oxford. So, I, if I'd known, I, I could have suggested they go and see. Them. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> So um, just about knowing, I came from a very self-righteous family, you know, and to be wrong was to be, you know, absolutely humiliated. If you were hypocritical, don't be hypocritical, you know, these very harsh words, you know, there's a reason why my company is called Kindly Cut the Crap. I do believe in being in cutting the crap, but you actually can't really do that if you're not kind. You know, like, I could I could say, you know, to you, Wayne, get over yourself, you know, don't be an ass, you know, whatever it is. But if I if I do that harshly, well, all you're gonna do is reject that and and negate that. So it's really, really important to be kind. And curiosity is a kind process, it's not a piercing, hard process. So, and and I became very curious about my my absolute need to be right all the time and I was lying awake at three o'clock in the morning and so many of us are you know I'm sure I'm not the only one awake at three o'clock in the morning sometimes and I thought okay well how much can I be 100% sure of so and I you know like my big thing is Buddhism and meditation I've you know been Looking at that and, and understanding that for twenty years, you know, and uh, and what was really clear is I am true novice. I was like, I can probably be sure about maybe half a percent. And so, if you think about all, something that's your deep passion, like it might be a music or you know a genre of music or a band or a or a sports club or whatever, um, you might think I know everything about everything about that. But actually, you get the media version for one thing, which is very curated in a particular way. And you, you wouldn't know about the personal lives of the players or the people in the band, not in a human level, unless you physically know them. You're not with them all the time. You don't know where they grew up and how they grew up, their family system. They have a public persona or whatever, really of how much could you say you were 100% right, 100% unequivocally? And I was like, oh, well, probably it would be about, as I said, 1% or I love Emma. So they were sort of the big shots when I was eight and I was miserable and I was really like, oh, you know, I just thought they were so amazing with their songs and outfits as as an eight-year-old would be. And, And then I found out I lived in Sweden and I found out that, actually well of course they're Swedish so all their songs were in a foreign language and they sang in French and Spanish as well as Swedish and English and I didn't and they have concerts and then I became really aware of how little I knew so I might know maybe one percent or two percent I might know the, you know many of the other songs but I don't know about the relationships that they had I don't know where they came from I don't know how they learned their instruments who their teachers were I don't know any of that I could probably guess maybe 20% about ABBA worldwide Um, but that means that I'm basically going to be wrong 80% of the time there's a really 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 good chance I'm going to be wrong 80% of the time and it's like and what I came to see is I thought that I I was right ninety five percent of the time and wrong five percent, and it turns out that I was, it was absolutely diametrically opposed. I was right five percent of the time, and wrong ninety five percent. But I somehow felt that it was important for my uh, sense of self to be right, but then I gave it up once I realized the stats, and that was that. And and after that, the curiosity so much curiosity and then i became really interested in how to listen to myself how to listen to other people my my capacity to really hone the craft of listening was absolutely do, sort of it was like a bloom flowering open and i started to get into the technical aspects of asking a question and really pondering how how to ask a question to listen better, and, and then after that, my world changed because I realised I had closed down people so much and shortchanged them in so many ways, and I had crashed so many relationships for it. So, you know, I, I think it's a really interesting...
0: It's, it's, it, it's- it's fabulous. It's fascinating. And it's fabulous. And it's like, as you're talking, I want to interrupt you. But I also don't want to interrupt you because (laughs) you're on this great role. Uh, You've said so much. And as I said, I take notes as you're talking. Um, I I want to go back to being kind, right? There is a difference between being nice and being kind. Being nice might mean that you don't ever make a comment about somebody else. And that is actually not kind to guide them to give them feedback. You can do that in a very kind way, and it may not seem nice. But that said, it is the kind thing to do to correct somebody. If someone had something in their teeth, it may not be nice to say, "Hey, you've got you know you got stuff in your in your teeth." You might want to, it may not sound nice but it's the kind thing to do, right? So if someone is sort of uh, maybe a little off in one way or another, or um, maybe missing something about a particular perspective, you might interject. And that is a kind thing to do to open their perspective. I want to, uh, I want to Follow up with something else you said, which is you know, along the lines of how sure are you of being right? And one of the one of the questions that I will ask other people or other people about their, for example, candidate, And it doesn't like in the United States, we're really polarized right now, right? Mm-hmm. And we've just come through this horrible time of polarization, especially. And one of the questions that I have for individuals, as well as for their candidates, that on on both sides, it is polar, that they hold up so highly. Mm -hmm. The question I, I will ask is, under what circumstance might this person be wrong? And, you know, if the response is, well, that person's never wrong, look at all the great things they've done. It's like, well, then we're done. Like, there's no conversation. There can't be. Um, under what circumstance might you be wrong? It's like, well, I don't know. I'm still like, personally, I'm still learning. You are too, Wendy. It's like we're, we're still in this place of learning. So heck, if I'm wrong, tell me what I'm missing. Right. That goes back to curiosity. Um, the title of my last Ted talk is how a parallax perspective can interrupt perceptual bias. And what that is a fancy way of saying is if you shift the way you look at something, you will expand your, your perspective enough to see it differently. Um, And, and I think that that's, that that's really, really important. Um, I want to talk more about listening and how you've crafted listening, how you've engaged the craft, which I think is really important to call out as a skill that listening is in fact a skill, how you've done that with questions. And you alluded to something, though you didn't call it this yet, and I'm certain we'll get into it. Um, you alluded to something about how we create a sense of we and belonging, and that has to do with social identity theory. So I absolutely want to you know use this to kind of leverage into you talking about the craft of listening <laughs> and social identity
1: theory. All right. I did my honest thesis at university on social identity theory and meditation and pro-social behavior. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there you go. You talked about the difference between being kind and being nice. And to me, when I heard that, it was the difference between having compassion, which is someone is in a predicament and you listen to them and you hear that they are actually having a difficult time and you can you your heart remains distant but not cold I don't sort of it's it's present but it's not in them like it's not oh like too far on them nor is it too far back that it is aloof so there's this middle place idiot compassion is something I think I would say oh don't worry about it it'll get better That to me is idiot compassion because it's really negating the other person, it's indifferent to the other person's pain and their quandary. Idiot compassion is also saying things like not not picking up a person when um, they are the problem. So, well, actually, you know, you've got this problem with this person in your life. How much are you contributing to that problem and not pulling them up? So I think it is, you know, the people I'm sure, you know, people who you would go to who are nice and you go, oh, that's lovely to have whatever, shoot the breeze and have a lovely, easy conversation. But when you want advice, when you're in a predicament, you don't go to those people. You go to the people who are going to be straight talking but gentle and thoughtful and and caring in what they're and usually they probably won't give you any advice until right at the end so I think that would be the marker and of of the difference between idiot compassion and compassion is are you actually listening to yourself actually as much as the other person because when you're listening to your own thoughts, you know when something feels if I uh, I could say that, but I'm not going to, and holding back, refraining about that. And um when you and 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 kind of really gauging your own space and how that that's that's the work,
0: Wendy. I, I just you know, that's the work that so many have not yet done um because there is a push to be right there is a push for approval which is uh let me be the expert and let me tell you what's wrong with you or i seek approval therefore nothing's wrong with you it's all the other person um you're great the other person is terrible and yay you right so the the idea of of uh, us being able to say well is it the right time to share this that is work and that is like to to engage in the work of true uh, truly holding space in a compassionate way means knowing when not to speak knowing when to a- ask a question and knowing when to simply hold eye contact and acknowledge the other person um, and maybe give a gentle—I um, get it—you know—a gentle acknowledgement of what the other person is going through. I—I I, I think that's—I think that's huge. You know, I think that you know uh, this is laying the groundwork for you to talk about um, uh, social identity if you're willing to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, I learned—I learned this. Like, if you think about it we want to belong. We just want to belong. Like one of our biggest fears as individual humans is to be rejected, right? And the the seeking approval so that we belong to something, um, it explains a lot. And if you look at American football, for example, you know, our teams, our fans cheer very big. And, you know, football is different in every other country, but America where it's real football called soccer in America, uh, in the United States. Um, but the fans are huge, right? Big fans. And you're either this side or you're not, you're us or you're not us. Right. And so who do you, with whom do you choose to ally yourself? And if you're both, you're then, um, in military terms, you're considered an interloper and there's a different, there's a different term uh, in social identity theory, um, but you're either you're either uh, in-group, out-group, or interloper, and there has to be a determination by the groups. Do you belong in either group, or must you then be cast away to a different group?
1: So I'm going to come at it from a Buddhist perspective, because I'm Please. Buddhist, and <laughs> so I'm going to kind of broaden out the picture because I think so we have a a show here called MasterChef and you know people get allocated to the blue team and the red team and then next week they're in the red team and the blue team and the configurations change all the time and yet you know the blue team yay I'm in the blue team this week and then yay I'm in the red team next week so there is a and that is like pure social identity theory I look at that program where I'm like they have just taken um so it's like straight there and um, John Turner is the he's Australian he was in Canberra his (laughs) that's where he did a lot of his work Uh, and Henry Tajfeld is actually a very interesting character so he was started this movement and he became very curious because as a Polish Jew he would have been sent back to Auschwitz you know to the concentration he knew it was death so he was Clearly a very likable man, and he somehow convinced the guards in the prison camps in in Paris, where he was in France, that he was really a French Jew. So that weren't meant that he wouldn't be sent there. I mean, clearly he was a, you know, he he was a, a Polish Jew. And so he became very curious about how the strength of that identity and whether it was and how life and death it was. And in his situation, it was truly life and death. Of course, a football team is not like that. You know, it can feel like it, but it's not like that. So, but what it says is that, and I think that, so there's this mm, term in Buddhism called no self, and that people get very confused about this. It's not saying Dr. Wayne Purnell doesn't exist. It is saying before you got your doctriness, you were Wayne Purnell. And before you knew what your surname was, you were Wayne. And before you before that, you were a little bubby. And then there was your mama and papa and mama and Dada and all the rest. So it's a constant dynamic process where everything is within context. So you know, Master Chef. The red team and the blue team. This week I'm red team. That week I'm last. I'm next week I'm I'm blue team. That constant shift of context, environment, space, who you're interacting with, how that all is actually is never static. And so, but we identify. So a single thought, um, a single thought, and we think that a whole narrative. You know, we're sort of in a thought. So when when you have a when you're meditating, for instance, you become aware that there's a whole like, and then he said that she said that she said that he said, and then and this happened, that happened, and no, it wasn't like that. And each of those feels like that's one thought, but actually it's a story, and each of those is a separate thought, and each of those thoughts is an identity. And so that shows you the dynamic nature of it. And I'm sure you would be someone who. You know, I go um, when I'm with my family, it's like I have not had any personal development in the last 20 years. I am back to being a 10-year-old. My mother, I'm sure, still thinks I'm like 15, um, even though I'm clearly not. And there are many decades that have passed, and she has she is older, but somehow in her mind, I am always 15. And I have changed in other ways. But in her eyes, I am still that person way back then that has long since gone in my life. But the context of that relationship kind of brings me right back. But nonetheless, I'm really shocked by, but I'm here now. I'm different. I am so elsewhere. But the context of that environment puts it right back there and the feelings that I have of being in that situation, it's like I haven't had all these decades between them. So I think that really highlights this. To me, that feels like social identity theory kind of encapsulated,
2: not so much
1: in a a divisive way, but as part of a larger process of context creates identity
0: love that context creates identity and it's what you bring to the context because obviously i mean many decades later you have a responsibility to bring the full you to that context at this point right
2: you are listening to one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most with your host dr wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit explore exponential success summit.com seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event www.exponentialsuccesssummit.com
0: one of the things i talk about in a couple of my books is uh in relationship you know we can feel how we've changed And I think it's really important to acknowledge that, you know, you've changed over from the from 20 years ago, you're different from five years ago, you're different. Can you acknowledge that from two years ago, from last year, even from yesterday, you're a different you? And I think it's really important that you acknowledge that. And what have you grown into? Who, you know, what did you learn even since yesterday that makes you different and the other part of that is can you acknowledge that the people you're with your partner for example has also grown because remember the the doctory part of of Dr P is my doctorates in clinical psychology and so I used to watch as couples would go, well, she's not the woman I married it's like no kidding
1: Surprise. <laughs> like
0: that's awesome you know like you've been married how yeah. long and of course she's not. Uh, And he's not the man I thought he'd grow into. It's like, well, what did you think you were going to mold him into? And can you acknowledge like really good relationships are about, I'm an individual who is growing. You're an individual who is growing. Can we come together and support that growth in the other person, come apart, grow, come together Support and grow, come apart, grow, right? And that's how a good relationship works. And, you know, relationship, the re is again, relation is the way things come together, and ship is the state of. And so the state of coming together again, um, I, I think, allows you to actually create context versus uh, step into context. How's that for for kind of a sideways entrance into Buddhism?
1: Yeah, I don't think I understood it, but that's okay. I didn't understand that. So step so to say that again, so, so here's just, the thing.
0: if y- y- you and I have this context of you and I, right? We yeah, have a yeah. context of yep, yeah. you're in Wednesday. I'm still in Tuesday. Yeah, we are connected via the internet. And and we come together to create this context of we're engaging honestly with each other. Yeah. And that allows for external, what other people might bring and point to a calendar and go, it's Tuesday. And for you to go, no, no, it's Wednesday. And it's like, we have our own context that we can let go of. When we engage together Mm -hmm. and acknowledge each other's current space and and desires and uh and focus and growth. And I think that that is um the, that's what missing what's missing when when we are full self versus no self like the the you know Freudian version would be the ego, right The ego is so big that there's no room for anybody else it's like, it's me, right? Versus, versus it's us interconnected. It's, it's us, like.
1: Gosh, there's so many things I'm like, oh, where do I, where do I go? So, Which is why uh, I
0: write stuff down, because, <laughs> because
1: <laughs> conversations like this always get so
0: deep that it's like, well,
1: I want I want, I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to talk about a few things. Do, so one, of, one of them is, You know, one of the ways to really notice the changes in your partner, for instance, I was talking about this with my partner actually this very morning. And so we meditate together, and then we talk about what arose in the sit. And so that's actually a nice way to connect with each other and where's going on and what's going on, and just really listen and and hang out. You know, it's a really lovely time for us. And uh, what I what was really what I What I instituted when I started this relationship two and a half years ago was I made the conscious decision to say thank you for every single tiny thing that he does for me. So we have breakfast downstairs and he brought the tray upstairs. So I said thank you for bringing the tray upstairs. He does the dishes and I say thank you very much for doing the dishes. He cooks dinner. I say thank you very much for dinner. Um, he um texts me about something, or I text him and he says, Thank you. He pays the he was paying the rent in the previous house. And I said, Thank you for paying the rent whenever I'd get notification from the real estate agent. And what that does is it tells you it in is at a constant information about the ways that the person is changing all the time because the more you, I, what I realised is the more I say thank you to him, the more I see that he engages in my world and he comes forward in a sense of generosity. And so he is changing in this space, which doesn't mean to say we don't have Narkie bits where it's just like rah! <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, we as soon as we have something that is sharp or, or unpleasant, it's like we raise it instantly in that moment. Really right there. And because it's tiny, 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 it gets it gets dealt with right there, and then nothing is kind of unspoken in terms of the dynamic between the two of us there's plenty of things that we don't know about each other's lives before our time together um, because it's just not prudent. I don't want to know that much about his (laughs) ex-wife sure as hell I don't want to know that they don't want to know that much about my previous partners or whatever if it's bothering us at the moment then it gets discussed but if it's not part of this it's not it's not relevant so that was one And the other one was uh, the ego of Freud. So you would know more about Freudian um, theory than me. But the way that I use ego is much more the the part of the mind. I probably have a more cahoot theory. What's his his name? Uh, What's his first name?
0: I want to say Jonathan. It's been a while since I've studied.
1: Good. Anyway, K O H U T. And you say Kahoot
0: and I said I've learned it as Kohut. So
1: whatever it is, yeah. So K O H U T. Somebody can, you know, our listener can can look it up. And Heinz,
0: you know, his name is Heinz. Heinz
1: Kahoot, That's right. And um, so I I have more of his his style, which is that that part of the mind is the opinionated mind. I call it the opinionated mind. He he wouldn't. But it's very opinionated. I don't know about you, but my mine is always going, you know, da, da, da. And it tells me I'm no good at anything. <laughs> it's very good at telling me how I lack, all sorts of things. And it can be anything. And I've started to look at that and go, actually, it feels like I've had an interaction with somebody where that another person, uh, I just I just sensed that that other person was indifferent to my pain somehow or my bid for connection or something. So then I find that that opinionated mind is actually a slightly hurt hurt place where I feel the relationship isn't isn't there. I feel like there's been a break where I have wanted to come together in some way. So that's the opinionated mind. But then there's this other part of the mind which is so large and spacious, which is a more open, capacious, part of the mind and it's like the in buddhism you would call it small mind little mind and big mind so in little mind you know but all those little thoughts all that opinion sits within this large space of the broader open spacious mind you don't have to react to every single thought if you did that oh my goodness you'd be like Getting yes. guns and this and that, and then you, by the time you got the gun out, you'd right. actually have a different thought, and then you'd be you're like you'd be like in the cartoons just yes. e- <laughs> this or something, you know. Anyway, so that I don't know if I've answered your questions or or continued. Well, you wondering.
0: you were commenting on on it versus me having a question and and you know going to self psychology, which is which is Kohut's theory. Um, it you know it it does it all. There's an overlap of the idea of how do we identify ourselves? And just as important is kind of the work that you do. And, and, you know, Wendy, there's a few minutes left in our time together. It's gone very quickly. And what I want to do is I want to give you a little bit of opportunity to talk about, you know, so we identify ourselves in the context of something. We identify ourselves in our own context, we identify ourselves against others. Um, and when we get really quiet, and this is this is your world, right? The the world of meditation, which opens up beyond the world of self to the truly connectedness. That's um, I just I want to just put it back to you to, to say. To to just please talk about how uh, the world of meditation changes the world of the self, expands it.
1: I I would say that it's time out. Perfect. And as 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 you get used to the thoughts initially it's like wow my mind is really crazy you know i can't meditate because my mind's really crazy but the fact that the craziness has been noticed is the meditation so people conflate a calm um relaxed pleasant meditation for a good meditation a good meditation is a meditation where it is simply observing what is there and the by observing what is there, it's also about training the mind. So I want to just give a couple of common misconceptions about what is meditation, if that's if you're okay with that. Yeah. So one is I, I these are just things that people have said to me over the years. Reading reading a book is my form of meditation. And that is not meditation. That's relaxation. i I love reading. No negation there about the joy of reading. It's delightful and I love the escapism, I love the information, I love learning about life, um, but it's not meditation. Um, another one is I like to, I go for a walk or a jog and that's my kind of meditation. It sort of chills my mind. Um, i like, that's not meditation. That is, um, I'd probably say more, it depends on how it is, but just downtime you know, just giving a chance for the mind to relax. So it's more relaxation or something like that. Somebody uh, said, I'm in a bad mood and I play and I play the piano for two hours and then I come out and I'm feeling so much better. It's like that's not meditation, that's flow. So flow is very, very good for shifting a mood. I'm not negating the joy, the importance of flow. And I've been reading this wonderful book by Jahan Hari called Stolen Focus. And he really goes into the distractions um, of our devices that they do. It's an excellent book. Um, and, um, And he talks about the importance of flow. So I'm not negating the importance of relaxation, downtime, flow, but... But meditation is training the mind. So it includes going doing it kind of in a, a slightly disciplined way. But I, by that, I don't mean hard. I mean, same bat time, same bat channel. You know, you just do it every day, same time. doesn't matter if it's like one minute, two minutes, three minutes. Don't care how long it is, but just do it for one, one minute every day for a week. If you can manage the following week. To do two minutes—that's great—and just notice the breath. And so, it's about training your your body and mind to be calmer, to become more able to notice what is here. It's not about not having angry thoughts. It's not about being having idiot compassion. I must be nice to everyone. It's going. I'm going to swear really badly. This person fucking pisses me off and I want to thump them and I'm not going to do it because that's just, you know, I'm not going to do that. so, So it's giving me the capacity to express that internally but have the restraint to not go out and thump them. So it is, so if you're driving, here's a really good practice for drivers. So if you're going along, and you have you get really aggressive and somebody cuts off you know you perceive that someone has cut you off or whatever and you do the finger then not doing that not swearing at them allowing them to come in that is meditation because you're shifting you're training your mind to be kinder so there we are
0: I think that's great that's awesome it's um you know the the idea of awareness right the whole idea of awareness and um and perspective and deliberate perception and um and weaving kindness throughout all of that um wendy you and i've just scratched the surface on so <laughs> many so many of these things the the topics the ideas um you've got stuff going on in your world your your business is called kindly cut the crap talk a little bit about your business um and if there are other things that you know you'd wished i had asked you that we didn't get to um just spend a minute or so on on that stuff so yeah
1: sure um Sure. So the business is called KindlyCutTheCrap.com. So that's how you find me. Um, and if you do the MailChimp something or other, there's a PDF you receive, uh, which has got five meditations you can do on the go. So my approach is not to, I'm, I'm how to be happier without doing more. So that is absolutely my thing. It's not about not It's not about adding 20 minutes of meditation in the morning which you don't have time for or doing this or not doing that or whatever. It's all about here is where you are. Just see how you can shift the attention, notice the gaps in awareness or the gaps in knowledge and owning where you don't know and just slightly changing, paying attention to things that people do for you that perhaps you had overlooked and all these small ways make you happier. And the happier you are, the more relaxed you are. Happier is not a good word because it actually is by happenstance. It's a chance thing. It's about your response to the other person. Joy is a better word, but that's a bit kind of a bit woo woo somehow. So it's my approach is to teach people entrepreneurs how to how to listen to themselves better by feeling more buoyed because you have more happiness in your life, not because you're doing more, getting more, having more or whatever, just because you're noticing things differently, shifting the perspective. So that's the way that I work. So that's it.
0: That's it. Uh, I I love all of that. Um, Again, you know, the work of Parallax Perspective, it's like if you shift how you look at something, you're going to be noticing things differently. There is joy in that. There is like, there is a, a happiness to exploring. Like, what have I missed about this person? Oh my goodness. Right. Even if it's somebody you're at absolute odds with and uh, you know, decades ago we used to have more tolerance for each other. And it's, it's really strange how, how uh, we've, develop these delineations. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not this, you're absolutely that. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe, maybe not. Like, mm-hmm. what else am I missing about this person? That they're not just that. Like we categorize each other. So so I love that. I I love that. I love everything about that. Um, hold up your mug one more time. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Kindly cut the crap.com. So um that's Wendy Nash has been my guest. And um Wendy, thank you so much for being here. It's, uh, it, it's such a good conversation. An hour doesn't seem like enough, you know. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you joining me. um I appreciate the wisdom you've brought. And hopefully, like, it just sparks something like a curiosity to, to approach something slightly differently, even if it's yourself, or maybe especially if it's yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you don't know yourself, you know, there's that saying, you don't know what goes on behind bedroom doors. I don't even know what goes on on the other side of the bed half the time and I don't even know what goes on in my own head most of the time. So, you know, there you go. Thank you very much, Wayne. It's been really lovely. And thank you also to everybody who's been involved in this program, so any people listening or watching. And also for the people who create the technical equipment, thank you very much for making this possible. It's amazing,
0: right? There's so many levels of of gratitude. And, um, yes, start there, end there. Weave gratitude through all the way. Um, really good. Wendy, I am uh, blessed to have you on the show. Thank you so much. This is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We'll see you here next time. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor.